Welcome to Weedio Talk, the podcast where filmmakers share stories, tips, and tricks to help you with your next project. I'd like to welcome Joe Douglas, who is with us here today. So if you could start by introducing yourself and your work, that'd be great. Yeah, so my name's Joe Douglas. I live in the UK. Um, I am a cinematographer, director of photography, uh, working you know, mainly in commercials, but I also do kind of long form stuff as well. Yeah, that's, that's me really. What are the techniques that you use the most and why? Techniques and kind of skills are very much job to job basis. So I'd say, you know, often as well as, you know, we having an image and like a or, or kind of like a look to my work definitely puts me on certain jobs. So, you know, you, I, I did a I did a thing recently for for Guinness for the Six Nations rugby tournament. And from that, you know, we use certain techniques in terms of using probe lenses and and transitions and that kind of thing within within that video that then led to recently two more jobs kind of coming from that. So people had seen the Guinness thing that I'd done. And one of them was actually another Guinness job that came about a different director, different production. And they'd said, Oh, you know, we'd seen your other Guinness job. You know, we, we, the job was, you know, different in the sense of the story, but we did again, use some of the same techniques. We, we had a probe lens again, you know, but we did it slightly differently and the look was different and the whole story was completely different. So that was, you know, it was a whole new challenge but implementing some of the skills and some of the kind of you know and and guinness has a certain look to it they they definitely want it to look like a certain way and they want it to be a certain way in terms of you know they're very particular in how the drinks look on set so i think having you know a dp that the you know the production company can take to the agency or the client and say look he's actually shot guinness before so you know you know that's good that's a good confidence builder for for them so yeah and then the other one was actually for a shoe brand but they wanted to have kind of that kind of macro probe kind of technique used again which we you know we we did so yeah i think i think i think there is at the moment there is a very big trend in shooting on probe lenses which you know it's fine you know it's great you know people but i think some people are maybe using it just for the sake of using it you know, I, I've been, I do a lot of food stuff myself. I've shot quite a few ads for, for Lurpak as well, which have, again, have a very distinctive look. And, you know, we use the probe lens purely just because you need to, like you have to be able to get the, the kind of front of the lens almost touching stuff. And you don't want having a huge camera dolly tripod, everything in the way of like lighting. So a lot of the time, the reason I'm using a probe lens is just to avoid camera shadow the reason i'm kind of wanting to get the lens right in there and low down and getting that kind of small perspective is also the reason that i you know i don't want to have a huge camera body right up when i'm trying to shoot some kind of macro stuff so yeah i think that is a that is a quite a used technique at the moment but also kind of i really personally i really like operating so you know i i like being on the camera myself i like being you know, in charge is the wrong word, but maybe just, I like being in control of the camera and knowing where, you know, when I'm looking at the monitor, when it goes to a spot, it's because it's going to the right spot. You know, often a director might say, oh, I'd like it quite smooth, the camera movements. And, you know, before we might have got Steadicam in or something like that. But, you know, I 
am quite particular with the framing and I, I don't, it's tough to give it up and it's fine. You know, as long as you have someone who you really trust and you really, um, you know, know is going to really get your, your style and what you want to, how I want it to look, it's fine, but I can't be shouting across the room, telling them to tilt up pan left. You really have to trust them that they can do that. And to be able to trust someone, you really have to know that they're, they're in sync with how you want it to look as well. And, and unfortunately, again, with the industry being so busy at the moment, it's tough to get, hold of those people that you trust sometimes they might be on longer jobs they might be busy on other things um so you know i've you know in the past couple of years really um used you know gimbals or ronins or you know ronin quite a lot and actually just operated it myself kind of just just you know really kind of pushed to have you know a bit more kind of control of where the camera's going and I think that's what I like about the gimbal world is that, you know, I can be on the camera. It's like you're getting, and also, you know, it's tough to say to someone, you know, run faster. You know, if you want the camera to be going quicker and you want it to be swooping in and out and kind of be a bit more kind of, you know, less perfect in a sense to capture those kind of happy accidents. It's harder to say to someone, you know, oh, come and make, pick it up, pick up the pace, run a bit faster. Whereas if I've got the camera and I'm strapped to it, it doesn't I can run as fast you know I can only go as fast as I can do you know what I mean but I can push myself harder I I don't you know I feel it's it's not I don't like being the one stood there going you need to go faster you need to go harder you know you need to push around faster get closer into their face tighter get more awkward with them to you know to instill that sense of you know unease maybe but you know I don't know what the shot might be but so that you know that kind of thing and I like having the kind of freedom to to use that kind of technique we just did a did a shoot for a company called rock and it was for the release of this new range of helmets and we shot up in grimsby and you know i'd say you know 70 percent of that is all shot on a gimbal operated by myself um everything else is kind of on um, a russian arm for the more driving stuff but i was able to really kind of push the kind of move the camera moves and and really pop the camera where exactly where i knew i wanted it especially for kind of close-up stuff on the helmets and that kind of thing yeah so I, yeah th- i think those are a couple of techniques that i definitely have been pushing for and using you know more and more on each job how do you determine the camera setup for let's say opening or closing shots you know, you, you always, I feel like every shot you want to be kind of making some kind of impact. You want to be, you know, but also at the same time, you really need to be using it to kind of tell the story and, and make sure it's making sense within the story. You know, often you, you want to kind of, you would, you might need to start on a wide to, you know, establish exactly where you are, kind of show some geography for the room or for the for the exterior location. But then again, you might, part of the story might be that you want to keep it slightly more ambiguous and not really know where that character is. So you want to start in tight and kind of on a hand or that kind of thing. And, you know, I think it's always about kind of, you can use lighting and you can use the camera moves just to really kind of pick out exactly what you're trying to say in that moment and what you're trying to... um kind of portray and that's that part of the you know in part of that film um but at the same time I, I i often like to open on a bang kind of open on something that's a bit more kind of and also close on something you know especially in commercials you want to leave something you know at the end of a commercial you know especially on a 30 second commercial you know you it's you're not getting much time in there to kind of you know 
tell a story maybe so you want to kind of just leave a lasting impression and uh i think having more kind of impressive shots in that sense but again then on slightly longer form stuff you really need to think and and try and um hone in exactly what you're trying to say and what you're trying to kind of um portray within that moment even if it is at the beginning or the end of the of the particular scene it needs to really really kind of be about the story definitely and 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 often you know you know i'm talking about commercials more here but you know you, you, you there's always going to be something at the end in terms of a, a product or like a you know supers that will go over the screen and you got to kind of take them into consideration as well so you know for instance you know we this this guinness one we did recently as well it's kind of all about fingers tapping on a table waiting for that perfect pint to arrive and then at the end we had that obligatory kind of glass she she takes it and drinks drinks the the perfect pint and it's kind of a close-up because you want to be in that moment with her um if you're wide kind of showing the rest of where she was you're not really in the moment that she's enjoying the pint and you know 99 percent of the time as well on a commercial you're going to end on like a pack shot or something like that you know showing the product so you know often ending a commercial you're you're on that pack shot and it needs to be selling you know what you're doing at the end of the day as much as you want to have you know a gorgeous story within you're selling a product or you're selling a service so you need to sell that product sell that service sometimes it's also not about overcomplicating things often i find i like to try and create shots that aren't complicated because sometimes you can just you can get lost in the shot maybe you know often you know with maybe sports stuff or or other stuff that's slightly you know car stuff where it's slightly more you know action-packed you're going to want to do some kind of fancy stuff with the camera or the lighting but you know often it just needs to tell a story it just needs to be you know to the point and kind of you know obviously still looking very beautiful and framed very nicely but just trying to keep it as simple as possible yeah definitely let's let's talk about lighting now about different lighting creating different looks yeah i mean again it, it it all comes down to the job but i think you know it's all about a lot of the time trying to make things look as real as possible i think with anything in terms of cinematography or any kind of camera aspect of things any part of cinema really a lot of the time the best kind of filmmaking is that that goes unnoticed you know it's when you know i can remember a, a story that our good friend Roger Deakins did say on his own podcast that he was, he can remember being in the ASC clubhouse and, and a couple of guys talking about um, Shawshank and saying, Oh, I don't know why that should, you know, get any awards. It, um, there was hardly any lighting in it um, that he didn't like anything, but really, you know, he knows that I'm pretty sure that the scene that they would he was talking about was uh, in, in the kind of cafeteria. And he'd said that, that the, the gaffer had had to get every single 12k hmi in the country basically it was a new kind of compact 12k hmi and they i think he said they had about i think it was something stupid like 40 or 50 of these hmis outside the windows and they had to actually get every single one they could get their hands on in the whole country so obviously you know it it was very heavily lit but it looked like it wasn't it looked natural and it looked, you know, it didn't take away again from what the actors were doing. Um, but then again, like, you know, there are some scripts and some where you need to use the lighting to really elevate and kind of, you know, make something slightly more, slightly different. I recently watched um, that new series on on uh, on HBO called uh, Your Honor. 
which is you know stars Brian Cranston and and I think there's some really really great lighting in there but a lot of it as well is not um it's not it's not conventional do you know what I mean it's very brave kind of you know there's a couple of scenes in bars where they there's a huge kind of I think I think one of them is a very cyan-y kind of blue wash you know you don't really know where it's coming from a bar would probably never ever look like that um but it looks great it looks you know it looked really nice and so you know I think as long as it's not um it's not jarring and it look, doesn't look too out of place, but it, you know, it's natural to a sense of elevated naturalism. Then, and yeah, that's really, you know, I think in terms of like lighting, I think, and I think it's good to, you know, especially on commercials, you can always have quite a lot of fun, especially on music videos. You can always have a lot of fun. Um, but again, it all just comes down to the script and the story. And like, there's no point me, you know, trying to shoot something that's very naturalistic and almost kind of doco style and then having like a big, huge red light coming through a window. It just doesn't make any sense. Do you know what I mean? You always need to make sure that whatever you're lighting and however you're lighting it really matches the kind of tone and and nature of the of the script and the story that you're trying to tell. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's kind of, you know, where I, you know, I recently did a short film and we it was all shot in one room in a living room and a lot of the lighting for that was just more for consistency and there were there were kind of i think there was about six or seven characters all in a room we had a lot of coverage to shoot and we had a lot to shoot in one day and i just wanted to make sure that i wasn't you know having to do relight every single angle i wanted to make sure that the lighting was kind of nice and clean and clear for you know i i did have one head inside as well kind of filling in and a bit of negative in the inside of the room but a lot of the light I just we had this big set of bay windows and I just flooded in you know some very consistent daylight for the whole scene I'm actually going to be shooting a job tomorrow again where it's for the Rainforest Alliance a charity and we've got four scripts to shoot in a day they are relatively small scripts 15 second scripts each but we've got a lot to do in one day and I know that I'm not going to have you know, I'm not going to have an hour on every shot to relight. So, I, you know, again, I've gone for broad strokes, just just making sure that, again, it, it all comes down to making sure that what you're doing isn't impacting everyone else. You know, I could demand to have four hours lighting in the morning and then an hour for every shot, but we wouldn't get the scripts. We wouldn't shoot everything we need. And, you know, that's just going to, at the end of the day, you might, it's, there's no point having three beautifully lit shots when actually you need eight or nine to tell the story so yeah it's all just about making sure that your lighting and the techniques and the camera and everything that you're really doing is there to to benefit the project more than anything not to just benefit what the image looks like at the end of the day you've got to make sure that there's a balance between you know between perfection and completion what about camera focus how can that comply with the story or emphasize different parts of the story? I've got a, a very long-standing focus puller, Jeff Vine, who he we've worked together for years and years. I actually was an assistant for him. And then as I started shooting, he started focus pulling for me. And, you know, we're very good friends as well. And he sometimes hates me, sometimes loves me. But, you know, I, I think... A lot of the time, he will probably say, you really don't need to be wide open at the moment. But, you know, I just, I think sometimes lenses look a lot nicer wide open. But yeah, I mean, it definitely does, again, definitely massively 
affects the image like i don't you know i try not to shoot wide open all the time but sometimes the devil inside me always gets out like for instance if you're shooting a, a great location or a great kind of set build and and you're on a close-up and it's and you're shooting at t1 t13 and you you know everything else is complete mush in the background then it's like you you may as well just be shooting in front of a color armor you really do yeah it's in, it's a whole nother thing that you do really need to think about but again often you just crank it right open <laughs> but yeah definitely i think and 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 also if you know that the shot's going to be it needs to you know if you're pushing in on someone or you're you know a lot of the time i've learned now if i'm going in for a super close up i.e. like a kind of a insert or a pickup on something you know a hand a ring or a, a note or something like that if I'm going to go in super tight with a diopter on or something like that, I should definitely just take all the ND out and go to like a T5.6 or an 8. It's really not going to, you know, often you'll be quite flat on that object and it's better just to ha make sure that it's in focus than in than it just wobbling about. Because, you know, when once you see it on screen with the focus kind of going in and out, wobbling around, you're going to notice it and it's just going to be a bit a bit distracting but then again again like i said if, if the script calls for it and you want to be on a someone's eye but you want it to be kind of going in and out of focus then that's a great tool to use but i think it's just again uh, you know I'll, I'll keep reiterating it it's just really about like what you how you want the image to look in the end and and also logistically how easy it is to actually achieve that shot you know there's no point you know, sticking to your guns and keeping it wide open if the shot really is impossible to get, you know, that, that kind of focus on. There's just no point. Or if you know that you need to be able to, like, for instance, you're shooting a pack shot and you really know that you need to have, you know, the whole plate in focus or the whole kind of um, packaging in focus and it's on a slight angle, but the front is in focus and the back's in focus. Like, when they get into the edit, the client are going to be like, well, we can't read what it says on the box. So, you know, they're just going to end up replacing it anyway in post. So you may as well just shoot the whole thing in focus. Yeah. Can camera movement or camera placement influence the shot? And if so, how? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, a key one you can think about is kind of, um, you know, um, Emmanuel Lubitsky's kind of work on 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 certain things, the Tree of Life and, and uh, Children of Men. I watched Children of Men recently again. And uh, just the kind of kineticness that he has with his, you know, camera work, you know, Birdman and all those kind of films where he uses much wider lenses and and keeps the camera much freer handheld with the kind of, you know, audience and really puts them in those situations. Like, you know, you watch some of the action scenes near the end of Children of Men where they're going through this kind of post-apocalyptic world where everything's destroyed and there's all explosions going off everywhere and the camera's... You, you feel in there you feel right in the action you feel like you're in there with them whereas you know if he'd shot that on a long lens from way back you're going to feel detached you're going to not feel you know and and i think the fact that they were able you know some of the great parts of that film is that you the realism comes from the fact that you see everything happening you know you see the 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 extra in the background kind of jumping out of shot or you you're in there and you're running from one building to the other and there's no cut it's kind of all a one long take from that you know i think and the scene the very famous scene where they're driving in the car and you know julianne moore's character gets shot that it's almost all one take and you really feel like you're inside the car with them whereas if he'd kind of shot that you know in in you know adverted commas 
conventionally, maybe on, you know, outside of the car, you know, on car rigs cutting from one side to the other, you're going to break up the action and the, the kind of magic of the fact that it feels real is broken by the cut. Whereas, you know, you really feel like you're with those characters. Again, 1917 recently, you know, I think at first, like when I heard about them doing all this kind of one take, it felt to me a bit like a gimmick, maybe like it was going to be a gimmick film, you know, one of those, another film where there's some kind of different kind of cam. They're just trying to do a camera thing, but you really, when you watch it, you really feel like you're on a journey with them. You really feel like you are with them and, and you're going through this kind of passage of time. And, you know, there were definitely moments when I first ever watched it that I thought, Oh, the camera would, you know, they're just about to cut. They're just about to cut, but it doesn't. And it sticks with them. And you, you really feel like you're experiencing that kind of, um, you know, like the journey with them as they go on that on that journey. So I think it it is always a hundred percent used for a reason. You know, that's the that's the best kind of cinematography for me is when you're not doing something just to you know do it. You know, but you know, again, if they were to shoot a different kind of film that was maybe more, I don't know what the word would be, but maybe more emotive and maybe slightly more kind of a slower paced kind of film in the style of Children of Men with all this kind of frantic handheld camera movement all over the place, it just wouldn't work because it's not the right kind of d- design and the right kind of tone for that movie. Whereas that's what that's how it works and that's how it is for that film, definitely. So yeah, I think 100% it's always about, you know, the using the best techniques and the best tools to be fitting with what you're trying to say and what, and how you're trying to say it. Definitely. Yeah. We haven't mentioned filters yet. Do you use filters at all? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I have, I have, I own actually, it's one of the only things that I really own myself, to be honest, is, is a filter kit, which is, you know, I kind of built up over the years and I have like kind of your standard NDs and diopters and polars in there, but I also have kind of glimmer glass and black promise in there that you know they just kind of soften the image they give you a slight kind of blooming in the highlights which again i think is something that's a nod to my maybe my kind of style i and i i did before i kind of bought anything i did a lot of tests on different lenses and different kind of different filters and and how they react differently and and i don't like pushing it too hard like you know you can definitely really soften it off and really bloom it out and i think again that's another look but i just like adding a subtle kind of slight hint of something and i think it's more just just again like a force of habit it just becomes like i've got a kind of combo that i like kind of using and it's just kind of what i do and put in now and you know and i sometimes i like to switch it up and experiment a little and see what different things look like but recently i've loved putting in a polar just to kind of play around with the kind of reflections in 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 areas and the kind of highlights and the shadows it, you know i feel like it, using a polar can really really change an image like quite a lot if you you know obviously you've got to compensate for the kind of stop loss that you get from it but a lot of the time you can you can kind of tweak a highlight and soften off a highlight on a face maybe or on a, you know on a on a surface if you're shooting kind of along a table you could accentuate a highlight or you can soften it back so yeah yeah in a sense of what you know a reflective kind of highlight um so yeah i think i think i've been kind of experimenting with that kind of thing at the moment and going back to you know the the camera techniques i did a i did a short film kind of middle of last year and again it was it was the one where we had you know seven actors in a living room and originally when the producer was kind of talking to me about the job 
and the director, you know, there was a lot of kind of handheld being talked about. And I think, I think initially it was, it was mainly talked about purely f- through a kind of logistical sense. They knew that we had a lot of coverage to shoot. They knew we wanted to be quick. We only had a day, you know, everyone was kind of doing a favor because it was a very low budget kind of short film. Um, it's called Bacon, directed by Jeff Bell. Um, which is at the moment doing doing the theatre, you know, the sorry, the festival circuit. So it's not actually out yet, but you know, I really enjoyed working on it with them. And so originally, we yeah, we were talking very much about handheld, and I kind of, you know, I'd read the script a lot, and I'd and I'd spoken to the director, and it was actually quite a personal script for the director, and it was quite a, it was a very emotional, very um, hard hitting kind of script the subject matter of it you know was quite um it was about a family kind of facing up to some kind of past that was that has happened in their lives and i just felt like handheld was going to be yes we would have been able to rattle off a lot of shots but at the same time i felt like you weren't going to get the same kind of concentration from the audience like they weren't going to be in the eyes of that character thinking about what they're saying the, the the kind of movement within the camera I felt was going to be more distracting. So I really, really pushed to, you know, shoot more static kind of shots on it. And I think, you know, I personally, hopefully they agree, but I think it really paid off because I think we really gained something from just holding on images and just holding on really, really nice kind of static frames. And I think a lot at the moment, and the, the, it is a trend to kind of just shoot handheld because it is quick and it's easy and you know you can you can move very very quickly and you can grab different things here and there but at the same time sometimes you just need to it's just you need to just hold on an image and I knew this wasn't going to be a 30 or a 60 second commercial where you know you can cut to another shot cut to another shot cut to another shot we were going to have the time it was going to be about a 15 20 minute kind of short film so we were there were going to be moments where we were holding on shots for you know, 30 seconds, 20 seconds, you know, a minute maybe. So, you know, I didn't want that kind of handheld to, to start distracting from, from the image and, and, and what was actually being said by the amazing actors that we had on screen. And I, we, you know, through Jeff Bell, the director, he is an actor himself. You know, he, he's, he's done some huge films and he was able to kind of draw in a great cast through, you know, I think friends and people he's worked with in the past. And I just wanted to make sure that what we were capturing on screen wasn't, you know, the, the techniques we were using wasn't just for ease and, and wasn't just for like kind of speed, but we were just, you know, doing justice to what the story was and, and how it should be shot. Definitely. Yeah. Let's take like the basic emotions in film now, negative and positive. How do you express these emotions through certain techniques or lighting, colors, audio, and so on? I think darkness and shadows and and placing shadows in certain areas and c- can really help you know kind of motivate a scene and it can it can again in it less of a sense of kind of happy and sad but more in a sense of like what you want the audience to see you know you can really use you know i i'm a big fan of drawing drawing the audience's eye into a particular spot so whether that's you know a certain action or um you know just the eyes of the actor I, I, I'm very keen and always quite pushing to maybe hopefully draw the audience's eye to a certain point of the screen. I don't want it to be wandering around the screen looking for where to look. You just want them, as soon as they look at that shot, they're, they're looking straight at that point. 
So yeah, I think that's that's quite a good use of that. And I think again, it can also like shadows and darkness can emote kind of like a you know a darker kind of feeling to a scene and 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 that kind of thing. And again, colors as well. Definitely using certain colors and and I mean again, but you can kind of juxtapose things sometimes. Like for instance, on that short film that I did recently, we we shot it in like a pink living room. It was all pink and it was, it was the sun. We had sun kind of, kind of warm kind of sun and we had warm skin tones happening. And it just, although what was being said and what was happening on screen was very, you know, emotive and quite dark in, in parts of it, I think having a slightly more naturalistic, you know, what, what people would conceive as being a living room, added a sense of realness and 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 made it feel like someone was just you were really watching a family in a living room going through something whereas if we'd kind of made it very dark and a shaft of light coming in here and a shaft of light in there i it, i feel like it might have taken away and been a lot more stylized whereas i wanted to just kind of shoot something that was slightly more real and something that was, you know, could have been perceived as someone just looking at a living room with, with a family in it. Definitely. So, yeah, I think, I think that's what, you know, you don't want to, you want to make sure that you're a lot of the time, you know, cinema, the cinematography is just hidden within, you know, within the story and it's not, it's not blaringly obvious, but obviously again, you know, if it was called for in the script, if it was this kind of hyper real bright colors, LEDs, some flashing lights, you know that's you know that's what you can go for again that, and that and that you know again like you said that kind of can emote happiness within a scene do you know what i mean and make it feel a lot more vibrant yeah now very vague question but let's hear your view any tips on how you can create a great story through different techniques you know how to be different nowadays in in cinema and tv i think it's just about being brave and just you know trying to do something that maybe is slightly outside the box, yes, but at the same time looks great. Do you know what I mean? Like my favorite kind of TV shows that I watch are always where the where the cinematography is quite brave and quite bold and quite strong in a sense, but again matches what's going on. Like recently, I've again, like I said, I watched um, Your Honor, and uh, that had some great cinematography in it. Really, kind of bold framing and you know slightly skew with framing but you know long shots that just you know that linger on a scene not cutting and then you know and then with the lighting in that show there's lots of you know really kind of there's a scene where brian cranston character who's a judge is stood with um his friend who is running to be mayor and they're in a back room of a barber shop and it looks like, you know, I'm pretty sure all that was lighting them is a single window and the shots looking at the window as well. And they're virtually silhouetted within this window and, 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 and the scene plays out like that. And, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it just wouldn't have even been acceptable in TV. Do you know what I mean? You probably would have been fired if you were showing, you know, the execs that kind of footage do you know what i mean or something and something like that on bbc just wouldn't you know obviously this isn't a bbc show but you know i think now on the bbc and on itv they're the two channel main channels in in england uh, and channel four you know they're getting a lot more brave and they're allowing people to really express themselves um there was a show a while back that is now on netflix and it was on actually on itv i think it was called um white house farm which was a you know a, a drama a short kind of mini series drama about um, a true story about 
a family that experiences a you know a, a dreadful murder within their farm yeah i think it, i watched that and i thought you know for itv which were you know again one of the kind of conventional very safe maybe kind of channels this was something that was really kind of out you know slightly out there like the cinematography looked great it was you know they they were definitely experimenting with different kind of framing and lighting and i think i think as well kind of color grading has come a long way since since you know in the in the past year or two with tv and it and you know people are getting much braver in terms of you know pushing for a grade that is much you know, much more maybe commercial in a sense, do you know what I mean? Something or feature-esque. And I think, again, that just comes down to the availability of kind of, you know, new school kind of colorists that are really kind of trying to push the grade and n- not just kind of go with your safe bet and do a blanket kind of grade across the whole thing, but really thinking about the story and the, and the, the imagery and making and really pushing the imagery to a, to a point, you know, I think when, end of the world did come out on netflix it was again something that you know i know that they graded that at cheat which is a very primarily it's a it's a it's a color house in in london that is very predominantly well was at the time very predominantly commercial and music videos but you know they used them because i think the dp justin brown had a very good connection with them and they did something completely different do you know what i mean something that wasn't you know usual and it and it stood out. It was something that a series that really stood out. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's the kind of those are the kind of things that really are helping push the mediums in in a different direction. Great, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It was a pleasure. Great, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Appreciate it. For the latest filmmaking advice. Visit blog.wedio.com or subscribe to the Wedio Talk podcast. Thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time.